Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. A press conference held yesterday, and uh, Canada's defense minister um, bolstered Canada's commitment to Ukraine. That's how it was characterized. Anita Anand called Russia's invasion an assault on the rules international order and announced that Canada would, well, not begin training Ukrainian soldiers in the UK, but would resume training Ukrainian soldiers anyway. Uh, let's get details on what this plan looks like with Andrew Rasoulis, who is a defense expert with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Andrew, thank you for joining us again. Appreciate your time. Great to be back, Shay. Um, now, this training, it's not new. We used to do this, correct, up until the invasion began, right? Oh, yes. This was uh, very much up uh, Unifier, uh, which was conducted in western Ukraine in various uh, places, where we trained Ukrainians. We had a contingent of Canadian troops, roughly, again, 225 uh, soldiers there, uh, training up Ukrainians in a variety of military skills. When the war started uh, in, uh, in, in February, uh, our troops were pulled out for a while. They stayed in Poland, and then they returned to Canada. Now, what's, uh, Britain took the initiative in June to start a new type of program to train uh, the Ukrainian military in Britain at one of the, at several of their bases, in fact. And so Canada, the Netherlands, and New Zealand have now agreed to add on their own contingents to bolster this training. Now, the key thing about this training, as opposed to the training that had occurred in Ukraine, is that this is now very basic soldier training. And the reason for that is that uh, the Ukrainian military, as well as the Russian military, are suffering very high casualties in what has now become a war of attrition. So the priority for the Ukrainian military is replenishment of those casualties with new soldiers. So that's why these are essentially civilians that are being taken, given basic skills, and sent into combat as soon as possible. Wow, interesting. Okay, so what does that training look like? I mean, is it like, would we call it boot camp? Is that basically what we're doing here? Yes. Exactly. It's, it's basic soldier skills. Um, the Canadian military is doing uh, five, what's called five-week serials. So in those five-week serials, uh, you do things like uh, the attack, the defense, uh, patrolling, marksmanship, that kind of thing. These are the fundamentals of how you operate as a, as a basic infantry soldier. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I also heard there's some work in training them to handle the equipment that we've sent over. That'll be part of another training component, I guess? Yeah, this is this is a sidebar uh, because we gave them those artillery, the howitzers, yeah. uh, the 155s. And so uh, we are going to be giving some training to some artillery uh, personnel of the Ukrainian forces on those artillery pieces. Uh, but that, that, is a, that is an important, but it's a sidebar. The primary emphasis of this whole training initiative is to train basic soldiers, take the civilians, train them up as basic soldiers, basic infantry, send them back into the fight. I saw yesterday Anand in making this announcement, actually it was in uh, the the post-announcement question, uh, she said this is being welcomed uh, by our allies. She says this is our niche. This is where Canada excels. Is that is that how it's seen in the international community? We're really good trainers? 
We, we are indeed. Uh, we, we've been doing this for decades. Um, um, when I was in the Defense Department, I was Director of Military Training Cooperation. I was responsible for part of that Canadian initiative worldwide. We have a very long history uh, and a successful history of training foreign militaries uh, to uh, Canadian military standards, which are respectively NATO standards. Right. And so, yeah, our soldiers are very good at that. Um the the conflict itself, the wider conflict, uh, what's going on in Ukraine, to me, and, and, and we haven't been on top of it as much as we used to be, but I'm just wondering, give us an update. It seems to me like it's sort of ground into almost a, an awful stalemate with no progress being made by either side. Is that fair? In a very macro sense. It's a war of attrition. Uh, it's stalemated, but there are... Uh, important movements in the battle. So I will give you a very broad sketch. So there are three axes of combat uh, going from south to north. So in the south, on the Black Sea coast, there is the Kursian Oblast and, and the Kursian city. In that area, the Ukrainians are attacking uh, the Russian positions there. Russia took that in early part of the war as part of establishing that land bridge from Russia proper to Crimea. So this is, from a strategic point of view, perhaps the most important battle taking place. There is, uh, further up in the Donbass, Donetsk, the Russians have been, over the last few days, been incrementally moving westward very slowly, but now they appear to have paused because they need to reinforce uh, their defensive positions in the south against the Ukrainian attack in Kyrgyzstan. And the third, which is more of a sidebar temporarily now, is Kharkiv City, where the Russians are pounding up a bit on the, Rus- on the Ukrainian positions as a kind of a diversionary attack. But as I say, the main emphasis in the south, and we're, go- and we're going to see very heavy, we are seeing very heavy fighting. We will see very heavy fighting throughout August, through into September at some point, and then we will see how the battlefield shapes the political situation. Because right now, there is no appetite for neither the Ukrainians nor the Russians to reach any kind of political compromise. Uh, and Anne said yesterday it's entering a dangerous phase with Russia looking to inflict, inflict long-term damage. So that's what you're talking about, just sort of grinding it down, a war of attrition at this point. Yeah, it's a war of attrition. And when we get to the fall, the question becomes how much are ex- either side, what's the exhaustion level? Because yeah. this is heavy burnout. And so the troops we're training, that's part of the burnout. Okay, and so we're we're resupplying troops that are burning out, and we're throwing we're throwing more back in. But at some point, people reach and armies and, and states, countries reach points of exhaustion. Uh, World War One, the end is is a classic case. Andrew, as always, great insight. Thank you so much for joining us today. And you're very welcome, Shane. Anytime.